Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi and I am your host. So uh, last week was pretty much a long show. The first 10 minutes was just me talking about nothing. And the last 20 minutes was actually news. So let's get to the actual news. Let's get to the podcast and I won't talk about that all this stuff. Well, I'm going to talk about a little bit of it. Uh, first thing, things that I like is a show on Netflix called Disenchantment. And that is uh, by the creator of The Simpsons, Matt Groening. Highly suggest checking it out. It's so funny if you like cartoons. And I'm an adult man in his 40s that loves cartoons. Absolutely love them. Let's see. One of the things that I'm trying to do is get my kids, who are six now, uh, to like um, different kinds of music. They didn't come from a Disney movie or Ninjago or trolls so i've already got them on cindy lopper they like cindy lopper so that's good we're in a positive moving to a positive uh place with that but today we listen to a lot of different music some of the music uh we listen to and i just want to go over these because i love these uh groups and these people it, one is obadiah parker um i think the album that we're listening to was sinners and saints the best song on that album is acoustic. The best song on that album is District. So if you want to look that up, I'll put it in the show notes. Next was Leonard Cohen. Um, specifically, the last album that Leonard Cohen uh, recorded before he died, which my kids don't know that. They just know that it's really slow and boring music. But, you know, sometimes you got to kind of introduce them to some things. Um but I would highly suggest it's called You Want It Darker. That's the album, and the that that also was the title track, and I love that song. It's really good. And there's a new Leonard Cohen book coming out in October uh, called The Flame. If you're interested in poetry and his lyrics and stuff like that, which I am. Nancy and Beth, which got to be careful because some Nancy and Beth songs have some really bad swear words, but most of them are okay. Uh. Ray Charles, Tom Waits, Postmodern Jukebox, that kind of thing. So I'll put links to that stuff in the show notes because uh, it's stuff that I really enjoy. And uh, some some of it my kids enjoyed. Some of it they're like, Daddy, this is terrible. But whatever. you got to introduce them. They're not going to like it at first, but they'll like it when they get older. 
let's see here. I want to thank all my Patreon supporters. It's almost a new month. So uh, thanks for everybody for sticking with me over the, uh, let's see, August. That's what month we're in. We're having a contest if you're interested. All you got to do to win a SpaceX cup is go to iTunes and leave a review and then email me that you left a review. Uh, second, um, you can become a Patreon supporter. You do either one of those two things, you get one entry. You do both of them, you get two entries. So um, win a free cup. I'm not talking about Patreon. I've been hitting you guys over the head with that in the last couple of weeks. So let's jump right in. There's no videos, and uh, there's a reason this podcast is called Kilowatt and not Tesla blah, blah, blah. And the answer, the, the reason is that there are more car companies out there that are doing electric than just Tesla. And when I started this podcast two years ago, well, really, well, there was Faraday Future, um, Lucid uh, Motors, they made an announcement here in Arizona not too long after that. After I started, I think it was like in November or something like that. But really, you had the BMW i-Series, but that was about it. Um, but I knew that more car companies were coming, and uh, to call it Tesla something, something, something uh, would be a mistake. Now, there is Tesla in the name because back then and even now, Somebody looks at Kilowatt, and they don't know what the podcast is about, but they know what Tesla is. So the, there is Tesla there, um, kind of in the the subtitle. But uh, So today, we're going to talk a lot about different, talk about a lot of different cars. They're going to talk about Tesla, but we're going to talk about some other car companies that are out there, um, because it's exciting. And uh, let's see, the first one, this is from Autoblog, John Belts Snyder. Oh, you know what? Let's let's step back. Uh, last episode sounded like hot garbage, and I was like, "Oh well, looks like I'm gonna have to spend more money, uh, way more money than I wanted to, because I was gonna have to upgrade my um, preamp." But I found this thing um, kind of on accident. I was looking for ways to boost the preamp or ways to improve because the Heil mic. Um, the Focusrite TI2 isn't powerful enough to powerful my microphone. And quite by accident, I found this thing called Cloud, Cloud Lifter. It's the CL1. And basically, it takes the, somehow it takes the power from the preamp, pushes it through the Cloud Lifter, and increases it. And right now, normally I have to have this thing pretty much turned all the way up, which causes a lot of sound problems, clipping, and things like that. Right now, I'd say it's just a little above half because I'm testing it out. Um, I could probably turn it down a little bit more, but this is the first episode of uh, using this thing. So I've tested it a little bit, but nothing long form. So we're going to kind of see how it goes where we are right now, and then we'll make adjustments next week. But uh, it was 150 bucks, which is better than spending another 4 or 8 or more $100 on a new preamp. So... I'm pretty happy with it. Okay, let's see here. So what were we talking about? Oh, yes, uh, John Belts Snyder at the Autoblog. We're going to talk about Faraday Future. Faraday Future might be the Lucas 
of electric cars. And if you don't know what Lucas is, it's a 1986 movie about a nerdy kid who wants to impress a girl, joins the football team, gets made fun of, gets beat up a lot, but in the end, gets picked on too. Uh, there's a scene with some uh, preparation H and a jock strap. It's brutal. I thought this all. I thought all this stuff was going to happen to me. By the way, when I got into high school, because I was only about twelve when this movie came out. Anyway, um, in the end, uh, Lucas succeeded, and I think that's going to be Faraday Future. Uh, right now, they're flush with two billion dollars in funding. They seem to be a little bit more cautious than they were before because they just burned through money before seemingly from the outside. Um, and they seem more focused. Uh, they're, sh they're right now they're showing off the FF 91 pre-production pro prototype. Um, which is very exciting. Uh, cause I thought this company was dead, you know, it just kind of languished around. Um, but now it's, 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 it's making good strides. So the company, and they've been saying this a while, and we've been over these specs, but they're sticking to them. Uh, so according to the company, they're going to have, uh, the FF91 is going to have three EV motors. It's going to have 1,000 horsepower, over 1,000 horsepower, 0 to 16, 2.39 seconds, 300-mile range, a full sensor suite, and um, top speed of 155 miles an hour. I really want this company to succeed. But here's the thing. I'm not a fan of the way the car looks. Um, and I think what they want to do is very complicated in terms of uh, the connected driving things that they want to do. And a couple of companies are out there saying that they're going to do all these, and we'll talk about some of them in a little bit, all these great things with the car. But my general thought is let's build the car first and let's see what happens. Um, and then get your connected driving stuff up and going because quite frankly, um, autonomous driving got a little bit of time. Yes. Tesla's ahead. Waymo's ahead. Apple's ahead. But in general, um, nobody's, it, there's still a lot to, to get done and there's still a lot to, of, of, of perfecting that needs to be done before autonomous driving is going to to hit it big so they have time to figure this all out next up let's talk about bmw this is an article from fred lambert at electric so we know that bmw has the i3 and the i5 electric cars um they're now working on the bmw i next ev which is a terrible name for the project but ian robertson BMW's head of sales and marketing said that the iNext will be the real competitor in the mid-size luxury market, which is a total diss to the Model 3. Now, the Model 3 starts at $35,000. I'm not going to say it's unlikely that the iNext Vision, that's what the next car is called, will start at $35,000. It'll probably be closer to forty, forty-five. dollars be my guess. But we won't know because the vision concept, while it'll be unveiled, the concept will be unveiled next month, which will be September. The production version is not going to come out until 2021. Now, let's let's pretend that they come out in 2021. That's still three years away, um, which gives Model 3 some good time to gain traction and then 
potentially a Model Y could be available during that time as well. So it'll be a little bit of an uphill battle for BMW, I think. They're going to have some BMW loyalists for sure. But BMW, like when you buy a Tesla, you deal with Tesla. When you buy a BMW, you deal with the dealer who may have you know, no iNext divisions, but they have, uh, you know, 80, you know, BMW 3 Series or whatever. I don't even know BMW's badging for their cars, so I might be wrong on that, but I think it's 3 or 300. I know it's one or the other. I get them confused with Mercedes. Anyway, um, so yeah, so you got the... Tesla just, you know, you deal with Tesla directly. You know you're going to get an electric car. When you go into a BMW dealership, you might have an idea as to what you want. But then you get into the reality distortion field of the actual salesperson and the dealership and the pressure and the things like that. So who knows how that will work. But there's still a lot of that market available for BMW to gobble up. It's not like Tesla's going to eat it all up. So... I don't think it's not going to be successful. We'll just have to kind of see what they present. And I think they're presenting on September 9th. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. Next up, Clean Technica, Steve Hanley. Um, Byton, which we've talked about before, um, is this beautiful car that's got this kind of like square dash that's got all these screens in it. Like the Lucidaire has these beautiful curved screens. The Byton is kind of like, it's a, a big monitor that goes all the way across. It's kind of thin, um, but it's just this monitor that goes all the way across, whereas um, the Lucid was a little different. Uh, something that's interesting is uh, it was Monterey uh, Car Week, and uh, Lucid was there showing off their car, Byton was there. There were some other electric cars there. So I went last year, and the only one we could find was Lucid, and that's why I went. I was invited to an event, and I went to talk to them about their car. And uh, I couldn't go to the event, but I did go and talk to them about the car. And then um, what else? Uh, But that was pretty much it for electric cars. We, we walked around for a long time trying to find something interesting and we just couldn't find anything. Although it's very big. So this was in Pebble beach where the Byton was and they were giving, um, they were giving rides, I guess. And it was a showstopper. Like people love this car and I think it's going to be a pretty impressive car, but they have two, two concepts going right now. They have the M bite M like Mary bite and it's an SUV. It's scheduled to be, to go into production next year. And then they have the level four vehicle, um, level four self-driving vehicle called the K-Byte. And that's going to be released sometime after the M-Byte. They don't have a a time for that. Both cars were on display at Monterey Car Week, so people can go up and and take a peek at them. Uh, The Byton, let's see. Byton has made more than 100 M-Byte pre-production prototypes. And that's important because 10 of those are coming to the U.S. uh, for self-driving testing in America, which is uh, pretty exciting. Byton is partnering with Aurora on the self-driving technology, and Aurora was founded by uh, folks from Tesla, Google, and Carnegie Mellon. So 
a pretty good pedigree there and it should be interesting what they what they come up with as far as self-driving goes uh byton claims the invite will monitor this is this is where it gets silly and this is what i was talking about with build a car and then add all this stuff later but byton claims the invite will monitor the cars are the driver's heart rate oxygen saturation and blood pressure and then what does it do with that information turns on like smooth jazz or um, what's their plan there i guess it could be to like if you fall asleep maybe they could pull over who knows i don't know um it seems gimmicky to me but the Mbyte, uh, they're planning on putting a 70 kilowatt hour battery in there, which will be 250 miles, or a 90 kilowatt hour battery, which gives you 325 miles. There's going to be an option for dual motor, and it's going to start about 37,500 euros or 40,000 US dollars. And actually, I mean, you aren't going to get any bells and whistles for that, but that's actually a pretty good price, I think. I think that's a fair price and a good good entry point. Uh, let's see. This comes from Pinal Count or Pinal Central. Rofita Carola Carola. Man, I hope I said that right. Um, Pinal Central is a newspaper in Pinal County, which is in Arizona, just a little south and east of where I live. And uh, we're talking about Nikola Motors. We've been talking about them a lot lately. They're developing a hydrogen semi, if you don't know, and. The company is moving into Arizona, so they're planning on having the corporate office somewhere in Phoenix. Um, my guess is that might be in Chandler. Phoenix is just a general term, but my guess it might be in Chandler or Gilbert or Tempe or something like that. Best guess. Um, and the manufacturing plant, which we thought was going to be in Buckeye, Arizona, which is west of Phoenix, is actually going to be in Coolidge, which is east of Phoenix. Um, which is really disappointing because I know some guys that work in Buckeye. I know quite a few guys that work in Buckeye, and that would have been a really good boon for their their local economy. But it's going to be really good for Coolidge, too. Um, just to give you an idea, uh, Lucid Motors is planning on building their manu- manufacturing plant in Casa Grande, which is really close to Coolidge. So there must be a reason why these manufacturers are building out there. Um, not to mention the tax incentives and things like that. Um, initially, uh, the plant will be a million square feet, and that sounds like a lot, but in the first do um, where I work, we have buildings that are right about that that size, and they're big, don't get me wrong, they're huge, but they get filled up pretty fast. So I'd imagine with building a semi, and I think they're also going to be building their like uh, Razor competitor electric uh, not razor like what you shave your face with, but the off-road vehicles, whatever that is called. I think they're going to build that there too. Um, that's going to take up a lot of space. So I can't imagine that they're going to be um, just in that million square feet for long. And they're going to have to build out, I think, to make that work. But it's a good start for sure. Uh, the fan- the factory's plan, uh, it should be up and running at full capacity by 2025. It's going to create approximately 2,000 jobs in the community. That doesn't mean they're going to hire 2,000 people. It just means the ancillary stuff is going to help create about 2,000 jobs. And I don't know if that includes construction or not, but it's not really important for this podcast. Um, But I think it's good. Um, 
despite Arizona's reputation, which, uh, you know, it, it, look it up. We don't have a great reputation on being um, on social issues, but most of the people here are really reasonable, loving people, and we have some knuckleheads, uh, a few, and not very many. We have uh, that uh, that ruin it for everybody else, just like everywhere else in the world. So most of the people here are good, hardworking people, and I've always said it's number one. It's relatively cheap to live in Arizona. Um, our weather is pretty consistent, although in the summertime it's hot. I'm so tired of the heat, but it's hot. But most of the time it's pretty consistent. Um, so if you were going to be building something or have a software company or whatever, Arizona is a great place to have that because you can pay your employees well so that they can live, but you don't have to pay at like Bay Area rates. Because if Tesla paid 25 or $30, whatever they pay in the Bay Area in Arizona, there would be no labor problems. Well, I shouldn't say that. There'll be less labor problems, sort of, in terms of um, you're not paying me enough so that I can even make my rent. Let's see, yeah. Which is something we talked about, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere. Um, the next one is Fred Lambert. Uh, we've talked about Dyson, the vacuum cleaner company, and the fan company, and the little thing on the wall that dries your hands in the bathroom company we've talked about their ev efforts in the past they announced it probably a year ago that they were interested in doing this well now they're taking the next step they are they purchased an airfield and they're turning it into a research and development center with a massive test track now i couldn't find this again but somewhere i read i'm pretty sure i read that it was a 10 mile test track which is pretty decent um, I'm excited to see what they come up with. Don't really have anything more to say on that. Now let's get to Tesla, and we're gonna do uh, rapid fire stuff because um, we're already 20 minutes into this show, and I thought it would be we'd be about nine minutes into the shows when I was writing this up. So I am <laughs> I am really 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 bad at uh, planning this out time wise. So let's get to it. Tesla will be showing off a car at the Grand Grand Basel Show. Basel Basel. Um, it's a fancy car show for for. Uh, it's a fancy show for fancy cars. Excuse me. We don't know for sure which car they're going to be showing off, but it's a good bet that it's going to be the Roadster. I don't know why it would be anything else. Uh, and I'll put all the links in the show notes so everybody gets uh, writers wise gets credit in publications tesla's working to improve security and they're doing this two ways one they're allowing drivers to enable a pin actually they're doing this one way (laughs) they're allowing drivers to enable a pin uh just like an atm so you get in the car and before you leave before you can drive away you have to put in pin code and that keeps people from um, grabbing your fob walking away and stealing your car uh, it seems like most companies are going away from pen codes. A lot of places are using YubiKey or some sort of biometric in place of that or a combination of the two. I don't know a whole lot about security, but I know pins aren't wonderful. Um, but on the other side, it's a good start. And what are you going to do for legacy cars? I mean, you can't fit every car in with an iris uh, scanner. 
you just can't do it. So, you know, it makes sense. And anything that kind of adds a layer of security is good. But I had a thought as far as biometric um, uh, security goes. What if the interior camera for the Model 3, what if that was biometric? So you couldn't drive it unless you're one of the recognized people um, or authorized people to be driving. Be interesting to see how that works. I have an iPhone 10 and it, the biometric scanner or the, uh, the, um, excuse me, the face ID for the, the phone works pretty good. I don't have a lot of problems with it. Although I'm bald and I'm almost always clean shaven. So, um, other than I get older, not a lot changes. Next one, next up. Oh, Tesla's fleet network went down. So, yeah, this isn't a great thing. Um, the way I understand the problem is that users were, uh, who were trying to use their phone to access their car and they were logged out of the app could not log into the app to authenticate because the network was down. So if you're trying to access the car and your app is... Um, you're not logged into your app, then you can't get into your car and you can't start your car unless you have a key fob or the card. On the flip side is if you had already authenticated in your phone, everything worked fine. But what happened apparently was AT&T, which Tesla uses for their uh, network, cell network, went down. Uh, so that was part of the problem. It was down for the better part of a day and this is just one of the pitfalls of owning a connected vehicle. But I can tell you, if this happened to me, probably no big deal. It'd be a little bit of frust little bit frustrating, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, unless I had my kids with me, and that would kind of turn into something different. But just in general. But this, if this happened to my wife, um, it's already hard enough to sell her on um, vehicles that have technology in them. Uh, my wife, by far not a Luddite, but she's perfectly happy putting the old, you know, Ford key. I think one of her favorite, her favorite car was like a, a, a Lincoln Continental that I bought her when we first got married. That was like a 1986 or something like that, Lincoln Continental. And for 1986, it was a pretty fancy car, but for 2000, when we got married, it wasn't that fancy. Um, but she's she's very happy with the simple doesn't need the fancy and doesn't find any need uh, for us to buy the fancy. And then I'm always pushing for the higher tech. So if this happened, that would kind of shoot me in the foot in terms of keeping her confidence up. Uh, but once she finds technology, she generally, when she comes around to it, she's generally pretty open to it. But if this happened early on, uh, she it would close the deal. We're done. We're not doing this anymore. We're selling the car. And you know, I can't blame her. If it if I didn't have a, an affinity towards technology and and that happened to me, I'd be the, I'd be exactly the same way. So, um, so Tesla's working on better delivery options to make it faster to get your car. Um, we've been talking about that. I don't. They came up again. Um, they're just refining and coming up with new ways to to get this done. I don't know that we need to go into great detail. Uh, Tesla says that most complaints to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration are fake, are bogus. 
Um, that doesn't surprise me. It looks like Tesla's prepping some left-handed Model 3s, left-hand drive Model 3s, to be delivered to the EU. And this is based on VIN numbers registered in the EU. Now, I know that this isn't the same thing. This is not related other than the UK and uh, Europe are located closer than America and Europe. So this is my stupid American brain here. But when I read this, I was like, oh, well, I really hope that Mark, who's a Patreon supporter, hope he gets his Model 3 in the UK, even though that's a right-hand uh, Model 3, and they've said that that's going to be a while. But hopefully this is encouraging and everything kind of gets moving to get those right-hand vehicles out, because I know we have quite a few listeners in the UK, and I would like to see those listeners get their cars. That would be... Uh, Nice. I, I have uh, two listeners that I know of, one's a Patreon supporter, one's not, that have got their Model 3 invites, um, and then we have the folks in the UK. So, but uh, hopefully, with any luck, Mark, you'll be getting your, your Model 3. I'm going to predict. No, I'm not. I was going to be stupid. <laughs> I was just going to predict, like, some ridiculous... Um, uh, month for you to get your Model 3, but I'm not going to do that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, let's see. If you want track mode in a Model 3, and maybe I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure Mark has a Model 3 on reserve. If I'm mistaken, just ignore all that. Mark. Nobody else would know. Anyway, moving on. So uh, if you want track mode in a Model 3, which means that you can basically do cool things in an open like on a track or an open parking lot, um, you got to pay for the performance upgrade package, which will cost you another $5,000 on. So you have the, you get the performance model, which I think costs $10,000 more. And from my understanding, you got to pay an additional 5,000 on top of that to get this package, which is, you know, includes the special tires and a bunch of other things. And my question is why? Like, the Model 3 dual motor or the Model 3 performance, whatever one it was, it does 145 miles an hour. This extra package means it does 155 miles an hour. When, when are you going to do that? I mean, it's <laughs> that's so ridiculously fast, it's unnecessary. Like, here's the thing. I have always wanted an Audi R8, and it's not because the car is fast. It's because when... Uh, my wife and I were in Italy, we got lost, and we came into this small town, and there was an Audi dealership, and this town is so tiny, and we walk in, I feel like Donald Trump, this town is so tiny, anyway, we walk into this little dealership, and there's an Audi R8 sitting there, and it is gorgeous, gorgeous, like, walk in to get directions, and I instantly fell in love with the car, and it has nothing to do with it being fast, it just has to do with it. it's a really cool looking car, I do not understand and listen, if you want to buy, spend your money that way, by all means, go for it. Um, I'm not one to judge you. But for me personally, I absolutely do not understand spending so much money so you can go 10 miles faster and, and uh, you know, make a little bit tighter turn. I mean, it seems like it's just a very small amount that you get for $5,000. Now, having said that, I don't want to car shame anybody because everybody has different likes and wants. And I'm boring. I'm mostly old. So keep that in mind. 
Um, let's see, Tesla Semi. Uh, they've been driving the Tesla, sem Tesla Semi across the country, driving to potential customers, showing off the truck, which makes total sense. I mean, you can't fly everybody into uh, Fremont to look at the truck, but you can sure as heck drive the truck around to different places while you're testing. Um, I wonder, Swift Trucking is in the West Valley there in West Phoenix, and I wonder if uh, Tesla's planning on stopping by Swift. Uh, I keep looking, keep, I'm keeping my eyes open to see if I can find a Tesla Semi, because uh, Swift, from what I understand, is, is not the biggest, but it's one of the biggest trucking companies in the United States. So it makes sense that they'd want to maybe take a swing over there and check it out. Okay, now we're going to talk about Elon just a bit. All right, here we go. So Elon, he, he's, he's back on Twitter and Twitter timeout kind of. So first one is he might have violated some labor laws by tweeting. Uh, this is during uh, the topic was whether or not Tesla employees would go union or not or should. And he says, nothing's stopping Tesla team at our car plant from voting union. Could do it tomorrow if they wanted. But that why pay union dues and give up stock options? Stock op Give up stock options, that's important. For nothing. Our safety record is two times better than that. Then when the plant was uh, UAW, everybody gets health care. So first of all, um, when I first read this, I didn't think that he was saying that employees would get stripped of their stock options. I thought that that would be a negotiating, uh, a negotiation, um, something to negotiate on. So I don't know how it is now, but it used to be that if, and if you were a union and the company was giving you something, let's say coffee. And they've been giving you coffee for a set period of time, and I think it's three years. And then they say, well, no, we're not going to give you coffee. You now have to buy your own coffee. That has to actually be negotiated. And I don't know about this every state. I know that the, this was the case in Idaho. So, um, by the way, I'm a proud union, mem union member, so state that up front. So everything I say, I'm going to try and be unbiased, but there's probably some bias creeping into that. Now, having said that, um, so it, it, after so many t years, it's it's kind of grandfathered in. It has to be negotiated away. It can't be taken away. And there's good reasons for that. And coffee is a ridiculous example, but there's some good reasons for that that we weren't going to go into here. Um, but when I read this tweet, I did not get the idea that they were stripping em current employee stock options away. I was I got the idea that as new people came on, if it wasn't in the negotiation, then or if they weren't a part of the company when uh, the they went union, those new employees may not get stock options. That's how I read it. So I didn't read it as as a anti. And even though Elon is pretty anti-union, I didn't read it as that uh, as having their stocks removed. So um, let's see. Here's what Tesla had to say uh, about this. Elon's tweet was simply a recognition of the fact that unlike Tesla, we're not aware of a single UAW represented automaker 
that provide stock options or restricted stock units to their production employees. The UAW organizers have consistently dismissed the value of Tesla uh, equity as part of the compensation package, the spokesperson said. We fundamentally believe that it's critical that all employees be owners of Tesla so that everyone is in this is on the same team and we're all sharing in the company's success. This has been highly successful and led to Tesla compensation being the highest in the auto industry. I'm going to guess if you include the stock options. Um, and that's what the, you know, it goes on to say that's the spokesman said. Um, I don't know if production workers at Chevy or Ford or Toyota, I don't think Toyota's union, but I don't know if those guys uh, and gals get stock options, production folks, but I do know they get retirement plans, and I know that that changes over time, but over last summer when I was back in Ohio for our wedding, which there's tons of auto plants in Ohio, um, I was uh, at a 4th of July party, and I was talking to a retired auto worker, and uh, now this guy is not living high out in the hog. He has a nice house. He has an above-ground pool, and he has a nice yard that's pretty sizable, and he lives on this nice little country road. And, uh, you know, we, it, it was an, a nice place, and he has a nice existence, and that's he lives off of the retirement that he made working at Chevy. So it makes sense um, that, yeah, maybe they didn't get stock options, but they got something. So to say, to, to make those comparisons... Because stock options can be great if the company's doing awesome. It can also be um, terrible if the company fails. And I'll give you an example. And I know this is going long, so I apologize. But there's a company um, called Rural Metro. And they are they do, um, they privatized fire department services for communities and ambulance services. But in this case, we'll just call it fire. Um so Rural Metro, sometime around the Enron times, encouraged their employees to buy, through their retirement, to buy a lot of uh, stock, Rural Metro stock. So the employees were buying the stock. They said, this is going to go up. It's going to be great for you. And then right before, because uh, I think they were involved in the, the cooking of the books. I can't remember the exact details. But basically, right before the stock dropped, all the higher-ups sold their stock and made all of their money, made a killing, and then all of the folks that were buying in, they lost money. They lost their shirts. A lot of people, and I work with one gentleman who's 62 years old, something like that, and he didn't start in the plan until he was 50, in his 50s, in the retirement plan, because he lost all of his money from Rural Metro, left Rural Metro, and came and worked for a city department, and then he got onto the normal retirement, but he lost everything. So, yeah, it's awesome to have the stock options, but it's not something you can totally bank on forever because I'm not saying that Tesla's going to do anything shady because I don't believe that that's in their DNA in terms of that kind of stuff that we were just talking about. But I do think um, that putting all your eggs in one basket or saying, well, look at all that you have right here and look at all we're giving you, at some point that can be nothing. I'll give you one more story. When I worked for MCI, 
and this is around the same time as Enron, when I worked for MCI as an employee, they gave us, I, at one time I had 70-something thousand dollars in stock options. Now, granted, I could not exercise those stock options um, until uh, there was a set pace that I could uh, that I could sell them and and make my money. So when it came time for me to sell my stock options, the ones that were that had vested that I could actually sell, not the ones that they were they gave me that I couldn't do anything with, I got like seventy some dollars. So I got nothing, effectively. So while I think that giving your employees stock and letting them own the company is awesome, there is a cautionary t- tale there for sure. Like at one point in time, this is before I got married to my wife. At one point in time, I thought that this money was going to be a great nest egg because at the time uh, where I was living, you could buy a nice house for seventy grand. So I figured, you know, there would be money that went to taxes, and then we would buy a nice house, and we'd have almost no mortgage payment, and that was completely wiped out. I also considered buying Google stock, which my wife said was ridiculous, and it shows I should, I should have done that. It wouldn't have mattered. I didn't have the money anyway. So anyway, um, and, you know, there's fantastic reasons to have a union. There's reasons unions have negative sides to them. Companies have negative sides to them. But there are upsides. And unions don't, like unions negotiate wage hours and working conditions mainly. That's what they're there to protect. So there's a reason to have a union to protect the employees. Um, again, we're not going to talk about that here. If you want to talk about it, just email me, Bodie at 918digital.com, and we can chat about it. The second thing that Elon did in terms of uh, Twitter is someone was someone was tweeting Elon a bunch of stuff and made a comment about, um, you know, do these positive things and stop calling people pedophiles. And Elon basically came back and he's like, hey, are you wondering why that guy's not? I'm paraphrasing by a lot here. But basically, are you wondering why that guy hasn't sued me? Look into it and something like hashtag Yoda or something like that. Well, it turns out Vern Unsworth, which is the the gentleman that Elon has called the pedo, and Elon apologized, but here we are again. Uh, He was the guy that helped the Thai boys help in the rescue of the Thai boys soccer team. Um, Turns out he's he's retained legal representation, and on, on August 6th, uh, a letter was sent to Elon d- detailing the lawsuit of false and defamatory statements, and this is according to BuzzFeed News. So we'll see what happens there. I would have just kept my mouth shut if I were Elon, but here we are. I'm not. Hopefully, he just apologizes and eats crow. Unless he knows something that somebody else doesn't, which I doubt is the case. So, um, next one. Elon says there was no tears during his New York Times interview. Now, we talked about this last week when I said that it wasn't, it was a poorly done interview because you basically just took pieces out of context, possibly out of context. And you don't really know, um, what was and wasn't accurate in terms of like, um, I initially thought it was like one of these, you know, here's here's what's upcoming. Here's a couple of cl- clips or or uh, 
pieces of the article you can read, and we'll publish the full interview next week, Rolling Stone style. But that didn't happen. So I'm not going to talk more about the New York Times article. But Elon said that uh, his voice cracked once, but he didn't tear up and he didn't cry, and it wasn't passing, you know. The Times article said that he was in between, you know, he was either laughing or he was crying which doesn't doesn't jive with other um, interviews Elon's done. But one of the things that does jive is when you touch on a per a a topic that he's um, passionate about, you can tell that he gets like you can you can see in his eyes and his face kind of constricts. You can tell he gets emotional. Whether or not he's going to cry or not, who cares? But he gets emotional. The thing, when I first started doing this podcast, the general public, the general consensus from people who didn't know him was Elon was a very cold, calculated person and uh, made decisions without caring about other people's feelings. There was an article that went around right after I started the podcast that talked about Elon's assistant wanted a raise and he said, okay. And she was going to go on vacation. One second, I get some water here. All right. She was going to go on vacation. So he said, you know, you're going to be gone for however long, two weeks. Let me kind of see how I can manage. And if we come, you come back and I really needed you, then I'll give you the raise. So she comes back and he didn't need her. <coughs> apologize he comes back and he didn't need her so she um in the article it said that he fired her because he didn't need her and really what the truth was is that he offered her a different position within the organization whichever organization that was and she declined and went off and did something else and everybody was happy and fine but he didn't fire her which i think is um that didn't come out until like three months after the first story came out. So I think that that's, uh, that's kind of who we think Elon is or who we thought he was. And when somebody shows emotion, all of a sudden now that that's, that's a weakness, like he's cold and calculated and he can't feel. And I'm not an Elon apologist. And I think everybody knows that, but it is a little frustrating where you, you have one, same people are saying he's cold and calculated and doesn't care about other people. And then the other, he's, you know, tearing up and crying when something that he's passionate about, uh, when that topic, topic comes up. So, I don't know. Condemn him for his terrible Twitter habits. and uh, But don't condemn him for being vulnerable. I don't think, unless you're vulnerable, until you're vulnerable... Until you've you've hit that kind of emotional state where you're ready to see the truth about yourself, that you can grow as a person. So if Elon's doing that and he's getting to that point where he can see some tr- ugly truths about himself, and we all have them, God knows I do, um, he's not going to grow as a person. So <clears throat> I think we should all just kind of, we have a, a culture in the United States, I'm not going to say about everywhere, but we have a culture in the United States about if somebody's down on their luck and they were once um, 
you know, successful or happy or whatever, you just don't like them for whatever reason, that brings joy. And that's a sad, that's a sad place to be, in my opinion, because you should not be happy about somebody else's um, downfall or, or problems. It, 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 it's, it's a bad look for us as a people and a nation. So, yeah, it's pretty sad. Anyway, having said all of that, that's the whole podcast. I expected it to be 20, 25 minutes, and it's 47 minutes, so I apologize. We'll see what happens next week. Um, I hope everybody has a great week. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. Uh, go to Patreon. Uh, if you want to support the show, it's patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. And uh, my Twitter is at 918digital. Digital. And that's it. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And I will for sure talk to you next Friday. Oh, here it goes. Are you going to launch? Trying to get the outro music. Ah, there we go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.